welcome to the Parenting in Uniform podcast. I'm your host, Claudia. I became a mom after 16 years of active duty service. That's when I discovered the unique challenges service members face during pregnancy, postpartum recovery, breastfeeding, and just dealing with military life while balancing families at home. I hope this podcast helps to enlighten senior leaders and new moms alike on parenting while serving our nation. Hello, everyone. This week, I had the honor of speaking at the Women's Equality Day ceremony in Wiesbaden, Germany. So I just wanted to do something a little bit different. I don't usually, actually, I've never done a solo episode before, but I felt like I have something to share here uh, about women's equality in the military, and I would really love to hear what you all think is the greatest challenge uh, for women's equality these days in the military, especially because so many doors have been opening to women in the last few years in particular. So this speech for me is about what to me has and is taking place to continue to close the gender gap in the military and in particular in the U.S. Army. I highlight why I believe childcare is the greatest hurdle for women's equality as well. So I recently just wanted to share something, but I recently found out that had I not advocated so vehemently not to take a, I'm an engineer officer, but and selected for battalion command, but I really just did not want to go to an operational engineer unit or a tactical command because I knew the time would just be way too demanding, too much time away from my son. And also because airborne a jump master, I just knew that's where I would end end up again. <laughs> Fort Bragg, I did 10 years there and it's exhausting. I've done the no notice deployment where you show up for several hours and all of a sudden you're on a you're on a plane not even realizing when you woke up that morning that you're going to go off to far off land and you have no idea when you're going to come home and in fact, you know, the 82nd just blew out to go and support all the operations in Afghanistan and Kabul to help with the evacuation efforts there. And just looking at that and thinking, oh, there's no way I could do that again. I just want to be home for my son. You know, I waited so long in my military career because I knew I didn't want to necessarily deploy. And fortunately, I am senior enough that I have a little bit more say. I, I feel like a little bit more control over my career now, but not everybody does. And, you know, I, I didn't want to have to worry about exercise and all sorts of things, saying goodbye to my son And yeah, so anyway, I had an opportunity, if I hadn't so staunchly said no thank you to this kind of a command, I would have been the first female tactical commander at a pretty high-speed competitive unit to get into, and that would have been great, right? So I feel this tremendous amount of regret because I essentially said no, no thank you, but also amazing amounts of relief, just such relief because now I know, okay, I made the right choice because... Had I, you know, not chosen family first when it came to my battalion command options, you know, I, I, I chose what was going to work best for my family, where my son would get the best child care for when I wasn't going to be around, which is, you know, the majority of the day. But at least now I don't have to worry about amazing amounts of pressure, too. Or I don't have to worry about the traveling so much, the exercises, the no-notice deployments, the NTC, uh, and all that. So I think so many women make choices in their careers that is family first. And so the other thing that really surprised me was why I would have been the first female. And I realized a lot of my peers from my company command days have since had children as well. 
And they're still leading. They're still out there. They're commanding battalions. They're about to take battalion command as well. And they've also chosen a lot of the non-tactical operational assignments, you know, in order to in order to be where they can best support their families and just be present. Also, man, the the cost of childcare is just so tremendous, right? So if you're if you are going to choose the career, a lot of times that means that that dollar cost of, you know, just recently I went on a two week TDY back to the U.S. and I'm stationed in Germany and I flew my mother here to Germany because honestly that was also not only the safer option because of COVID, but also the cheaper option for me was to bring my mom out here and, and she gets to enjoy a little bit of a European vacation. But the result was my son, you know, different issues, right? He had a setback on potty training. He became very attached at night when he had to sleep. He just wanted to have physical contact with me the whole time, which made it very difficult for me to sleep once I came back. And just all sorts of things, right? Picky with food that he wasn't with before and yeah, just behavioral stuff that's normal. But if I can prevent that, I would like to. So after my speech, you know, talking about a lot of the highlights that have taken place the last couple of years uh, in support of especially pregnant and postpartum women in the military so that they can continue to serve. You know, my boss said, well, you missed an opportunity to talk about some of the women who have broken the barrier, some of the first, right? So we've got General General Laura Richardson, who is the first female combatant commander as a Southcom commander, and I think just the second Army four-star general. So it was great, but again, my my speech wasn't about women who are doing things that are amazing, like as far as being the first female this or the first female that. It was more about supporting us so that way we can get there. Also, our new Secretary of the Army, Christine Warmuth, as well. So, I mean, awesome stuff. But I also think like a lot of that can be highlighted during Women's History Month versus Women's Equality Day. Um, so again, just wanted to, to share a little bit about that with you guys. And here's the speech. And I'd love to hear what we, your thoughts are, again, on um, what our challenges or barriers are towards closing the gender gap to achieve women's equality in the military. So here's the speech. The last couple of years have been tremendous for women who serve in uniform. Everything from the findings in the Fort Hood Independent Review to the scoring standards for the new Army Combat Fitness Test. Today, I'd like to share with you some of the recent milestones supporting women's equality that you may not be so familiar with. Last September, pregnancy discrimination became recognized officially by the Department of Defense as a form of sex-based discrimination. Since the 1978 Federal Pregnancy Discrimination Act, our civilian counterparts have enjoyed protections during pregnancy and the postpartum period, but those protections did not apply to those of us who serve. Before that, women starting a family faced career-ending repercussions. From not being able to attend professional military education even if it was in a classroom environment, to threats of being chaptered out because they take a couple 30-minute breaks during the workday in order to pump breast milk for their newborns, breaks that normally take less time than lunch or smoke. The result was these women were passed over for promotion and encouraged to separate from the military careers they love. Another recent win for, win for women who serve is the Fairness for Breastfeeding Mothers Act. 
The result is a law requiring federal properties, including buildings on military installations and major airports, to provide nursing mothers a lactation room to express breast milk. Not a bathroom and not a locker room. Some units are still slow to react to this, even if they have a pregnant or nursing soldier. But most are going above and beyond to provide wonderful lactation rooms for their newborns. At my unit, the nursing room is an old janitor utility closet, which may not sound much better than a bathroom, but it's been transformed into a clean, calm, and comfortable environment. To the leaders in the audience, I encourage you to be creative in instituting these policies and understand that when you take care of your pregnant and postpartum soldiers, you help build a loyal team a family-friendly environment, and you demonstrate to your entire formation that you care about them. You may even find yourself re-enlisting those talented soldiers in the near future. As of last February, women in the Army can now wear earrings, makeup, nail polish, and even wear our hair in a ponytail. I know plenty of folks out there think this is absolutely ridiculous, and some may even say we look unprofessional. But if we're in a garrison environment, why not? We're women. Let us look and feel like women if we want to. And again, I'm confident that these new regulations will encourage more of our highly skilled female soldiers to be retained in the Army. And we need their invaluable experience in our formations. And as for the ponytails, they are an approved hairstyle because they serve a medical purpose to prevent hair loss and headaches. Traction alopecia is when one suffers from a receding hairline or patches of hair loss caused by wearing their hair in a tight hairstyle for an extended period of time, such as a bun, all day, every day. This damage can be permanent, as many of us who have been serving a while can confirm. And by getting rid of the uncomfortably tight buns, we're probably better able to focus on the mission at hand. Last spring, women recovering from childbirth received a major victory. Our time to return to pre-pregnancy heightened weight standards has increased from six months to a whole year. This means we can now safely recover, lose the weight without losing our milk supply because we're putting less strain on our bodies. And we can gradually, safely pick up our fitness regime without injury. Why does this matter for the Army? Because allowing postpartum soldiers a year to lose the weight also helps them maintain their readiness. Now they're less stressed, better able to manage the new family member at home, not as prone to injury, and we feel, actually we know our leadership now cares about us, and that having a baby is not necessarily a career killer. This is all part of closing the gender gap for women's equality in the military. And as for professional military education, pregnant and postpartum women were falling behind their peers for promotions because of requirements such as a fresh PT test, which they couldn't physically take. But that requirement has been waived, opening the door for well-deserved promotions despite being on a temporary pregnancy profile. Women in uniform have gained significant rights that help us close the gender gap, but there is still a long way to go to shift the institutional culture and demonstrate that we can in fact have children and serve in the United States Armed Forces. Ladies, it starts with us. Maintain the standard. Remain professional, show up your best selves, and continue to demonstrate how you can do the same job as your male counterparts, whether or not you are a primary caregiver to a child. We are often stigmatized because of ignorance, so be the source of accurate information. Understand the regulations and policies, know where to find them, those policies and regulations that support women and primary caregivers in the military. 
For those who want to learn more on how to support women in the Army, I recommend reading Athena Thriving 2 on the Company Leader website. I'll be sure to post a link in the show notes. It lists information on supporting everything from fertility and adoption to pregnancy, pregnancy loss, family care plans, and deployments and exercises. And of course, if you prefer podcasts, Parenting in Uniform podcast. Women's equality ultimately ties directly to the Army's people-first strategy of investing in people because doing so makes us a more ready force. Think about ways you can help for making it easier for parents to work out in the gym using the new ACFT equipment while their children are in tow with them. And also, think about childcare. I had my son two years ago as a senior major with 16 years of active duty service. And, and I know that I made it this far as an Army officer because I deliberately postponed becoming a mother. If I gave this speech three years ago, it would have been about women in special operations, women trailblazing through ranger school, and women leading in the infantry. Instead today, I could have spent this entire time talking to you about childcare. As a new parent, I can now attest that childcare is the greatest challenge to women's equality. For every mother who is often the primary caregiver, it is the reliability of their network of childcare support that makes or breaks their career. The CDC at my post closes at 5 p.m., which means I have spent thousands of dollars on off-post childcare, daycare, and a nanny. As a lieutenant colonel, at least I can afford it compared to when I was in E4. And, and we all know that a lot of our lower enlisted are paying more in childcare than they're actually making. Leaders, please be creative, be innovative, and please be supportive to the women in your formation balancing the responsibilities of military service and motherhood. Thank you, everyone. Please leave a rating, review the podcast, and share it with anyone who you think could use this information. Thanks. This podcast has no affiliation with the Department of Defense, nor any of the military units or organizations mentioned. This podcast is for information only. Statements and views made by guests are not necessarily those of the host, and no statements should be construed as fact or medical advice.